calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Violet Hour presents... Between the Devil, Episode 8, This Cursed Voyage. Dude, I, 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 are there two shots of whiskey in front of me, or just the one? No, sod it. I'll take another if Marlene's paying for it. Armando! Marlene ain't paying, McGovern. She said one drink and you've had that. She said drinks all around, if you'll recall. <laughs> Oi, one drink all round, and she said the cheap stuff. You've been ordering from the top shelf. For the drink, barmaid. Oh, poor, but only once I've seen your coin. If you think Marlene's paying for you to drink a dry... I've had about enough of your talk. Excuse me, please, innkeeper. Excuse me, sir, I'm sorry. I'm looking for my daughter. Has she come in here? You spill my drink. You ain't paying for it yet, McGovern. What did I say to you about... Please, gentlemen, innkeeper, I will pay for this man's drink. But please, have you seen a little girl? Please. (laughs) I ain't no innkeeper, and this ain't no inn. Them rooms up there ain't for sleeping, mate. What? I... Oh, I see, but... Right. Well, thank you for your time. What about my drink? It weren't your bloody drink. Hey, you dandy. I seen your girl. Yellow dress, all mud and blood, head to toe. Blood? What? Where is she? Buy me that drink you was talking about, and maybe I'll tell you. What? Are you... You can't... There. Now, please, tell Rando, me. Rando, I'll have that drink now. Top shelf, mind you. 
You have your drink, please. Thank you, Hermando. No idea where your little shit is, mate, but thanks for the drink. <laughs> you said, said I seen her. Don't mean I know where she is now. Ain't my job to keep track of her little wealth, is it? Seems like something you ought to be doing, eh? Or her mama. Speaking of, do you think her mama would be... <laughs> into the ceiling. But the next will be in the belly of any fool who lays another finger on that man. Master Francisco. Master Francisco, let him go. This man says he's seen Sammy, but he won't... I have seen Sammy, Master Francisco. What? Where? Aboard the Rosalind. She walked back aboard about an hour ago. But now, Master Reuben has got the men looking for you. The world was a blur. Rushing past Francisco as he ran at a speed he had not felt since the days of his youth, dodging carriages and chasing Ruben through the streets of Barcelona. His mind was racing to match the pounding of his heart, and the fog that had consumed his thoughts for too long seemed to break against the light of a single glimmer of hope. He took the gangplank of the Rosalind in two massive bounds and hurled himself below decks, slamming against the door of the great cabin and nearly tearing it from its hinges in his haste to open it. Sammy! Oh, Sammy, thank the Lord. What on earth were you thinking running off like that? Do you have any idea what you've put us through? How scared I've been? Franny, Franny, she can't breathe. What? Oh. And then I ran back to the ship as fast as I could. I'm sorry. And Sammy, where have you been? And where did you get these clothes? The brothel? Brothel? I... I... Franny, what? It doesn't matter. But I... I'm sorry. I... I'm sorry, Sammy. I'm sorry for what I said uh, about sending you home. And I'm sorry that you heard us fighting, Reuben and me. The thought that I might never see you again, that something might have happened to you. Papa. If the last thing you ever heard me say was... Or if, if you thought that I no longer, that, that, that I didn't love you. No, I don't think. I know you. It's all my fault. Sammy. It is. I know it is. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for everything, Papa, but I'm ready to grow up and wise up. I know I can be better. And if you give me another chance, if you please, just let me stay. I promise I'll... Oh, no, Sammy. You're not going anywhere. I don't have to go home? No, you're not going home. I'm never letting you out of my sight again. <clears throat> I love you. I don't mean to interrupt, but do you want me to fetch the doctor, Franny? What? Your lip. It's bleeding. Oh, no, 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 no. I'll be fine. But it looks... No, Ruben. It's all right. Everything is all right now. See that. Good morning, Mr. Gibbs. Captain. Still no sign of the missing crew, I expect? No, sir, no sign. I tried, sir. Told three of them last night we was headed back to see him the morning. Nothing doing. Yes, I thought not. Give a pocket full of gold to 30 men and turn them loose in port, and you're certainly not likely to see 30 men return. 
I must have a man then, shall I? Lay anchor in uh, man the jolly boats to get us back into open waters? Yes, Mr. Gibbs. I think so. Sir. But, um, before you do, Mr. Gibbs, a word. Aye, sir. This is your first time serving on a ship as an officer, is that correct? Yes, sir. And, and thank you for the opportunity, sir. Yes. Yes, well, then you know all too well the line of demarcation between the crew and those who oversee them, yes? I do, sir. Now, that line does not merely run port to starboard, Gibbs. It runs like a rope through each man on the ship, from the captain straight on through to the merest bosun's mate. And if it is severed at any point, the coils unwind, and the whole thing comes undone. For instance, if a ship is allowed to come within hailing distance of us without a single man aboard noticing it, it comes undone. Or if the ship should go so wildly off course that... It's Marcus who's the lookout and Hank's the navigator. None of them was my fault. No, they weren't. But at the same time, yes, they were. As first mate, first lieutenant of the ship, their mistake is yours for trusting in their ability when you should have done otherwise. Well, how's that fair if I'm For officers, fairness does not enter into it. It is duty, and duty alone, that tells us what our actions ought to be. To those above us and below. And my duty is to see to it that you are not neglecting yours. And just as the mistakes of the crew fall upon you, yours fall upon me. And I hope that I have not made a mistake, Mr. Gibbs. I hope that you can show me that I was not mistaken in trusting your abilities when I should have done otherwise. Oh, uh, you... Yes, Captain Eckhart. I'll show you what I can do. Sir? Good. Now, let us be on our way, Mr. Gibbs. Aye, sir. Aye. For a long moment, Gibbs stood motionless where the captain had left him. His eyes slowly drifted closed, and when they opened once again, there was a keen edge gleaming in the depths of their blackness. The order was given. The jolly boats were lowered over the side, and the men seated inside them began to row. The ropes trailing behind them in the water went taut and slowly swung the Rosalind around. When they were nearly halfway across the harbour, the rowing grew inexplicably easier. And to the astonishment of the men, the Rosalind began to overtake them, sliding between the two smaller boats, as though too eager for the open sea to wait on these men to get her there. And it was some time, long after Slipetra disappeared behind her over the horizon, before her sails slackened and allowed the now thoroughly shaken men in the jolly boats to clamber back aboard. I... I wish I could have gone with you. You know, having an adventure, actually living. It was an adventure, but I really don't think adventure is what I thought it was. It's great for stories and books, but I don't know if I wanted to be an all-the-time thing. Yeah, but... Your papa is letting you stay on the ship, and if the witch gave you something to stop the magic, it was worth it, wasn't it? That's true. But the words she gave me... It's hard to imagine what some beads and a jar of ice can do against... But I mean, she knew so much about me, and she killed her own bird to give them to me. She seems to believe it can work. Then we should too. It's all we've got. And it's a whole lot better than nothing, right? 
Yeah. So, if we have to wait for the new moon... For the word that goes to the top of the mast. But the others... She said to do those as soon as I can. So, I guess... What? Well, she didn't say how, but she said that if the ship can... I don't know. Feel that we're trying to stop it. That it might try to fight back. But it's just voices, right? I mean, how much worse can that get? Up to a point, that's all that it is. But as it gets closer to the end... What? When you were gone, Sammy... Out on the island, I... I felt myself starting to... recede. Back into the place that I was before you found me. I don't have the words to tell you what it's like, but... Believe me when I say that... Whatever happens when you place those wards... No matter how bad it gets... If it stops you... And everyone else on this ship from being pulled down into this place with me... It'll be worth it. Okay. I'll do it tonight. The decks of the Rosalind were deserted as Sammy rose from the dead edge, the full moon above shining down with a bright porcelain light. She glided up the steps leading to the ship's wheel and pulled a string of tortoiseshell beads from her pocket. Sammy's fingers fumbled as she tied the coarse cord around the spindle of the wheel. She gave a clumsy knot one last tug and returned to the main deck, her steps slowing to a stop as she reached the front of the ship and saw before her the massive octopus figurehead. Its coiled tentacles glistened as though it had only just slithered aboard the ship from the depths of the sea and sat there patiently awaiting her arrival. She steadied her nerve and began crawling up the pitted surface of the octopus's undulating body. And when she reached the top from the waist of her breeches, she pulled a small hammer and the second of the witch's wards the small glass jar, which now dangled from the remnants of Marlene's blue hair ribbon. Sammy positioned the ribbon, held her breath and swung the hammer. The ship gave a sudden lurch as it crashed through a large wave, as though the octopus itself had recoiled from the blow, and Sammy had to cling tightly to the bowsprit to keep from tumbling overboard. Once she was sure she was not going to fall, she released her breath and checked that the nail was secure. Satisfied, she turned around, slid down one of the long, twisting tentacles and felt relief as her feet hit the deck. Pride swelled within her, but a sudden urge to be out of the harsh light of the full moon propelled her forward and back down below decks. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app 
and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Marcus. Marcus. Wake up, you drooling fool. Marcus. Uh, wait. I, uh... Oh. Willis. Go away. Stole that talk. And on your feet, man. You don't want Gibbs to come topside and catch you sleeping at the wheel. Oh, Gibbs don't scare me, Willis. He should. Been a changed man since we left Slip Hitch, he has. And not for the better. Give McGuire 40 lashes like that for forgetting to salute. He's a stupid lad, but he didn't deserve that. I was just giving me eyes a rest. I'm not even tired, mate. I should hope not. In the weeks since we left Slipnitch, I'd wager you've got more sleep than anyone aboard, sitting up here alone nights. It ain't easy being a navigator, Willis. Taxes the mind of this. Starting to see why old Hank cracked. I'm more accustomed to leisurely work myself. Leisurely work? There ain't no leisurely work before the mast. It's just that you only do half your share of the hard work and call it a day. Uh, you remember the Barnaby? Of course I remember the Barnaby. How we conned our way aboard that nobleman's pleasure barge, I'll never know. That was leisurely work. Aye. Life of luxury, that was. Hardly no work needing to be done all the prime leftovers we could eat. Might have made a life of it, too, if you hadn't gotten handsy with that little maid from Dorchester oh. and got us the boat. Aye, but that was worth it, Willis. Trust me, two heaping handfuls of... Could have spent the rest of our days on that ship, sunning ourselves, growing fat and old, holding cart in that grand dining hall once the lords and ladies had gone to bed. Could have lived like Roman emperors... Hands full of grapes, eating one, and tossing the next into that goblet set down at the other end of that massive dining table of theirs. Eh, more at than into in your case. Bollocks. Four bunches, and I doubt if a single one of yours hit the mark. I got loads more than you. Now who's dreaming, mate? What? Where are you going? To get a cup and a sack of beans. We're going to settle this right now. (laughs) If you're trying to keep me from falling asleep, it's a waste of time, Willis. Don't need to be awake to best you, you nearsighted ninny. Ah, you're hopeless. Take your time. No. Where was I?
Have you tossed half the beans overboard? You're supposed to be rational. Hey, Smith. Smith, mate. What are you doing up in the boat? You're supposed to be in bed without leg. You. Hey, I see you too, Smith. Leg, it's all bloody. Tore the stitches clean out you have. Blimey, the dog is not going to be happy when he sees the stage here. Aye, aye, that'll be the blood loss seeing stars. Come on, let's get you down below now, Smith. There's a good man. Aye. Hey, what are you? Smith, mate, what are you? Get off! Get off of me, Smith! In, in, in uh, your eyes. Uh, Smith, a knife. Put that. Blot. Wellis. Blot. Blot. flooded the decks, jostling for position, some climbing into the rigging to look down at the macabre scene below. Two men, lying on their backs, one face a grisly mess of blood and gaping wounds, the other a lunatic grin, with lips pulled back and eyes wide open, staring sightlessly into the black sky. When Marcus gave a sudden spluttering cough, Sending a spray of crimson droplets into the air, the crew was jolted back to their senses, and they rushed to carry him below decks, trailing behind them a confused snarl of bloody footprints. The small infirmary was filled to bursting with men, with those close enough to see the damage Smith's blade had wrought, staring in silence at Marcus's empty and mutilated eye sockets. At the back of the crowd, Watching Francisco and Ruben thrive fruitlessly to clear the room, stood Gibbs, motionless 
not so much as flinching at the crack of the captain's pistol when it was fired in the air to regain control. And as the crew were driven from the infirmary, Gibbs forced his way through the flow of men streaming below and found himself standing, chest heaving and hands shaking over Smith's lifeless body. The grin had not slackened and the dead, cold eyes still shone with light from the field of stars above. He stayed there for a long moment, as though mesmerized by what he saw, and when he did finally disappear below decks, he left behind him a fresh pair of bloody footprints. However, they did not follow those left by the crew, which had long since dried to a sickly brown smear from the quarterdeck to the hatch but were rather scattered across the main deck, from side to side, and end to end, like the steps of some mad, searching dance, glowing red in the moonlight. Seven long days dragged by, and found the new moon, the merest sliver of light, hanging in the sky. Sammy was struck by the brightness of the stars. A bright band of them soared overhead, like the sparkling bridge spanning the vast blackness of the heavens. As her rapt gaze drifted among the nameless clusters and constellations, she found her eyes traveling down the length of the Rosalind's mainmast, coming to rest at the bottom. Whatever journey she might have found among the stars, her true journey was to begin there. And if all that the witch had told her was true, it was to end there as well. The mast seemed to grow taller and more imposing with each step she took toward it, until she felt that she might topple over backwards to look to the top, to where she must go. She placed her hand against the pocket of her breeches, feeling the small bag with the witch's bird against her leg, and she drew her gaze down the length of the mast once more back to the base in front of her. She watched as her hands reached out before her, gripping the rope that hung there, pulling it tight, and felt the deck beneath her feet fall away as she began to climb. Hand over hand, she went up the rope, shivering against the chill wind that grew stronger and stronger with every foot she gained. Her arms grew tired, but she kept going. Even halfway up, she dared not stop, unsure if she would be able to coax her legs to start pushing again if she did. She could see the top clearly now, no more than four yards from where she needed to place the last ward to enact the witch's magic and to put an end to the malevolence that had been wreaking havoc on her own life and on the lives of every soul aboard the ship, now and for who knew how long before. She carefully took one hand from the rope and reached with questing fingers toward the top of the mast, and she felt a surge of joy as she touched the flatness of the top. Then, without warning, she was falling. Her other hand and her legs still gripped the rope tightly, but nevertheless she was falling down, racing past the mast at an alarming speed as she heard the rope flying through a pulley overhead. She let go of the rope without thinking and reached for the mast with both hands, but let go an instant later with a cry of pain as splinters tore into her soft palms. 
she had managed to slow her descent ever so slightly, but nevertheless slammed into the deck, flat on her back, her head bouncing off the planks. Her vision went double and seemed to close in at the edges, but the creeping blackness slowly coalesced into the figure of a man. A man holding a bare cutlass, gleaming in the faint light of the moon. On your feet, oh. now! Gibbs? You keep my name off your tongue, witch. Please! Don't please me, witch. Keep your hands where I could see them. I'm about to have you slipping me no potions or spells before I've had my say. What? A pistol? Why do you think... It ain't for you, witch. Not yet, leastways. I'll you without the rest of them seeing what I've seen. Now, can I? Let's call them up, shall we? What? Scream all you want, witch. <laughs> Scrunch up your face. Kick and shout. Muster a tear if you can. I'll tell you no good once they seen what I've seen. Gibbs, what's the matter? What happened? Stop right there. Now, you hear me? Mr. Sammy. Papa, I... You too, Master Francisco. Gibbs, unhand my... Stay where you are. You may have dropped coin to buy this sheep. Save his powder in short tips the scales in my favor, merchant. You son of a... He's gone. <laughs> now this is lively, ain't it? Funny, you do it. Stop. Mr. Gibbs, Noah, your weapon this instant. An officer. An officer does his duty, aye. And I'm doing mine, Captain. Now toss your pistol over the side. Or so help me, I'll paint the canvas with our prey. I tried to warn you. The whole lot of you! Cowards too blind to see what was right in front of you. But Gibbs seen it. He's seen it all. And each man of you shall get down on your bended knee for old Gibbs. Gibbs, you're not making any sense, mate. What is it you think you've done? Saved your life. All of your lives. Saved us from what, Gibbs? From her. Every bit of misfortune what's dogged this cursed voyage happened on account of her. Gibbs. Like your best mate Marcus lost his eyes, Willis. I came up here, I did. And I had me a little poke around. And what did I find? This! A string of beads wrapped around the wheel spindle. Gibbs. And this! A jar of eyes stuck up on top of the figurehead it was. What, what's beads in a jar of eyes for? Axes, curses, spells. No, they're not. Bite your tongue, witch. I caught it just now, climbing the mast. To put more axes on us. To seal our fate once and forever. She, she's a child. She likes to climb trees. She could have been... Empty your pockets, girl. Do it. Now. Give it to me, witch. I said give it to me. There. You see? A dead bird. I ex if there ever was one. You can't be serious. Ain't nothing more serious in the world than demons and devils, merchant. She cracked old Hank, took Smith's leg, and then sicked him on Marcus. And now she was aiming to curse the whole ship in one fell swoop. To kill us all. This is lunacy. Madness. Surely you can't... Call me mad again, merchant. Call me loony one more time and see what happens. But, Howl! Willis, man! You can't think that Sammy had anything to do with Marcus, with, with his... When Smith was on top of me, that knife inching down toward me, 
I saw something in his eyes. Something. Unnatural. But he was full to the gills with laudanum. He wasn't in his right mind. Laudanum makes your eyes go soft. Smith's eyes weren't soft. They was hard. Hard. And black. And she sold her soul. And she would have put ours up for collateral against her eternal damnation if not for me. If I'd let my guard down, we'd all be... She's a little girl. Not a demon or a witch. A frightened little girl with a pistol to her head. We cannot go jumping to wild conclusions where there must be a reasonable explanation for it all. There must be. Mr. Gibbs, if you would just put on a pistol and let Sammy explain herself, I'm sure we can all discuss the... Show us the the Hank, mate, what the bloody hell are you doing? They're gone. The constellations, the stars. I can't see the star. Hank, be careful. You're gonna fall, mate. Be careful. They're all dead. Okay, okay. Sammy! Hank! Sammy! Sammy! I know its name. Its name. Where do you think you're going, you little? Think that is a reasonable explanation? You heard him call her name before he jumped. She's been witching him from the day she snuck aboard. Taking us off course and bedeviling him. The time for talk is over. I'm through wasting wind on this little girl. Sammy, behind me. Papa! Now! You remember this, girlie? <laughs> I should have run it through you today. I found you in the belly of a ship. You saved us a world of trouble. Mr. Gibbs, please, don't. Out of the way, merchant. I want a nice, clean stroke when I take off her red. No, Gibbs, you can't... Stand aside, or I'll cut you down just as sure as I'll do your little girl. No. As you wish, Master Francisco. On your own head, be it. Ruben! 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 Ruben, say something, Ruben! Ruben! into this fix we're in and who let that little witch have her way with this ship they ain't our masters no more this voyage was cursed from the start 
But Captain Gibbs ain't about to let that little witch keep him from what he wants, nor you from what you deserve. We're turning this ship around, lads. We're headed back to slippage. What say ye to that? Lay aloft and loose the canvas. All the braces and trim the yards. Gibbs! What? It's Captain Gibbs, Willis. Hank's gone. What? What do you mean, Hank? Aye, he's gone. Blimey, he was lying here one minute and now... Well, find him and bring the him... The trailer blood leads right to the railing. What are I, you? The other jolly boat's gone too. He must have taken... Well, how could he have? He was lying there near... Gibbs! Willis! I told you. It's Captain Gibbs. Up there? Look at him. The man in the rigging. He's going to... What the... Get down from there, lads. Now! Uh, I'm giving the orders here, Willis. You... Get down before... What? Who said? Where are you? I, I, I can't. Willis, what's happening? What, where's it coming from? Where's what coming the from? Voices. Can't you? They're everywhere. I, I, I can't. No Mate, there's stop. no voices. No, no, there's no, no one there. Wait, get up. There's no one there. There's no one there. Bring me the girl. Now. Stop this dark magic of yours now, witch, or I'll... You idiot! What? Look at what you've done! You stupid, evil man! Evil? Me? How dare you call me? You killed us all! You pathetic, wretched, disgusting, evil... You will speak when spoken to, witch. The only chance you have of breathing on Nova Breath is if you undo what you've done. What I've done? I was trying to stop this from happening. I Guys, was... you're lying, witch. Then pull the trigger, shoot all of us, and spare us from what is to come, from the fate that you brought down upon us. Shoot all of you? <laughs> How about just one? <laughs> Bring me the merchant. Papa! Papa! No, please! Gibbs, make put the gun down. This ain't right. She's... Quiet. But this ain't right. You're not thinking straight. The look in your eye is just like... One more word out of you, Willis, and you'll be lying next to Marcus in the infirmary. Now out with it, witch. But I didn't do anything. I swear, this isn't my fault. I was trying to stop it. I'll give you a count of five, witch. Those words, curses. The beast and the jar, they were protection. Words of protection. I met a woman on slippage, oh. a real witch. And she gave them to me. They were meant to keep us safe. But you Three. stopped me from the last one, and now it's too late. What if she's telling Two. the truth? What if she was trying to stop it? If she... Whoa. No! It's Captain Gibbs! There's one more death on your head, witch. Not mine. Told him one more word and he'd get it. I warned him I did. And now you, witch. One last chance to save your... But... One last chance before I send him to join dear Master Ruby. Sammy. Papa! Sammy, it's... It's all right. No, Papa, please! I... I, I love you. 
No need to be so sentimental, Merchant. The two of you will be seeing each other again soon. <laughs> Time's up, no! In the instant before Goobs pulled the trigger, a massive bolt of lightning came streaming down from the heavens and struck the mainmast, splintering the top half like kindling and setting the torn sails ablaze. The shock was enough to send Gibbs's aim awry, and the shot passed within an inch of Francisco's head, thudding harmlessly into the deck behind him. Flaming splinters rained down from above, and the men on deck scattered, covering their heads and looking for cover from the hellstorm of embers. Acting on instinct that she did not know she possessed, Sammy lunged forward and knocked the pistol from Gibbs's hand, sending it spinning away across the deck. Sammy scrambled on hands and knees towards the pistol, reaching out as Gibbs darted past, rushing headlong towards his discarded weapon. Sammy watched in horror as Gibbs overtook her, his fingers reaching out like probing spiders towards the butt of the pistol as he lifted it from the deck. He turned and leveled the pistol at her head. His thin lips parted in a yellow-toothed smile. It was a knowing smile, a smile of wicked triumph. And then, suddenly, as though a blanket had been dropped over the world, where there had been black sky an instant before, a thick fog bank rolled over the ship, obscuring Gibbs from Sammy's vision. The sounds of the storm were muffled to a dull roar, and Sammy again heeded a primal pull from within, throwing herself to the side just as a crack sounded from the grey mass before her, and the deck where she had just lain cracked as Gibbs's shot struck. She could hear Gibbs stumbling around in the fog, shouting a mixture of curses and incoherent ramblings at the top of his lungs. His unsteady footsteps grew closer and closer. But he stopped abruptly as a loud grinding sound came from the fore of the ship. The grinding gave way to a series of cracks and a crunching like the breaking of stone. Something massive came crashing down onto the deck, shaking the ship so that it seemed it might come apart beneath them. And, through a break in the fog, Sammy watched in horror as a great black tentacle came snaking its way across the deck toward her. The first was followed by several more, and behind them, A red light glowed in the fog, but Sammy could not take her eyes from the slithering things, like jungle vines creeping toward the sun. The tentacles reached and reached until they were within feet of Sammy, where they stopped and slammed into the deck, planting themselves firmly, straining the wood as the massive black body of the octopus figurehead came sliding out of the fog. Its red eyes glowed with a terrible piercing light as it settled itself amidships, and it tipped backward, revealing its pale underside, where Sammy saw a set of razor-sharp teeth arrayed within a cruel hooked beak. From within this gaping hellish maw came an ear-splitting howl, unlike anything Sammy had ever heard in the black coiled its tentacles back to itself and then cast them out over both sides of the ship. The tentacles grew taut, snapping the railing beneath them and the ship began to creak and moan like a wounded animal. 
The planks under Sammy began to move and buckle as the octopus let out another howl and pulled tighter until, as suddenly as the lightning had struck and the fog had rolled in around them, the ship exploded and Sammy was sent head over heels through the air. Her surprise was too great to utter more than a panicked squeak as she tumbled through the thick fog before slamming into the freezing sea. Wave after wave came crashing down on top of her, forcing her head under the water. Her lungs burned and her limbs ached as she tried in vain to reach the surface and she felt herself slipping deeper and deeper below the waves and her mind grew darker and darker as the cold depths embraced her in blackness. The next thing that Sammy felt was something hard against her back, bobbing gently in calm waters, and she attempted to open her eyes, but they would not obey her in defiance of the blazing light above. She mustered what strength she had and rolled onto her side. She slowly pried her eyes open and saw, mere inches away, a grinning skull peeking out of the sea next to her. Had she the energy within her to recoil in fright, she surely would have. But instead, she simply stared into the empty eyes of the skull before her. As the sea moved lazily up and down, first revealing and then obscuring the skull, she saw, beyond it, other skulls protruding from the gentle waves, and other bones jutting out of the sea as well, stretching out as far as she could see. She rolled over again and saw an identical line of bones extending to the horizon in the opposite direction. From somewhere, deep in the recesses of recollection, a line from a tale she had heard long ago slowly overtook all of the other half-formed thoughts ebbing and flowing in her mind. She looked out in front of her and saw an island, dominated by a tall conical mountain whose top was shorn off in a jagged ring. The verse from Hank's story told on the night before the start of the Rosalind's doom voyage, overheard from the rafters in the winding vine, came unbidden to Sammy's dried and cracked lips and felt foreign to her own ears. A sanguine sunrise in the west, its flames a mountain's gory crest, whose shattered peak a shadow throws upon a reef of human bones. Storms of madness, fog of war, ancient evils by the score, obscuring from our mortal sight, an island bathed in bloody light. From Violet Hour Media, Between the Devil, created, written, and directed by Justin Jones and Natalie Jones, 
Sound designed and mixed by CJ Drummler with assistant sound designer Alison Eng. Music by Nathan Matthew David and Jeremy Lamb. Executive produced by Cassie Josephoth. Narrated by Maria Olsen. The role of Francisco was played by Fred Cross. Captain Eckhart by Harwood Gordon. Ruben by Brian Humberto Hoyos. Sammy by Annie Callaherka. Gibbs by Charlie Wilson. Willis by Connor McGiffin. Marcus by Connor Dillon. Smith by Michael Mao. And Hank by Daniel Van Thomas. With additional voices by Daniel Van Thomas, Chet Crenshaw, Davis DeRock, Josh Allen, and CJ Drummler. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.